welcome to People Helping People, a podcast to connect you with brilliant ideas that inspire social change. We explore culture, social entrepreneurship, and people helping people make awesome stuff happen, because I believe that there are so many new ideas out there that can transform how we live and interact. Today, I am so excited to be here with Amy Niltemeyer, who founded Growler's Dog Bones with a mission to provide opportunities for young autistic adults. And they just won Emerging Social Entrepreneur of the Year at the Aspire 2017 Awards. Before we jump in, I just want to remind you that the Festival for Good is in Columbus at the North Market this weekend on September 29th and 30th. Check it out on festivalforgood.org. You'll get to meet Amy in person along with tons of other awesome social entrepreneurs. So, Amy, welcome on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to tell you about Growler's Dog Bones. Yeah, no, this is great. So maybe we can start off and can you tell us a little bit about what Growler's Dog Bones is? Well, Growler's Dog Bones is a nonprofit that was created to provide employment and training for individuals with disabilities. And the most important part about that is the training, paid and unpaid, it provides these individuals. But the unique part about it is we utilize the spent grain from all the microbreweries that Columbus has acquired in the last few years to make the dog bones. We put it with cream of peanut butter, which is on good ale in Columbus, rice flour and eggs, and it's simple as that. We bake at the food fort and we sell them everywhere. Oh, cool. By everywhere, where's everywhere? I knew you were going to (laughs) ask. So right now in the summer, we sell them at a lot of farmer's markets, but the 13 microbreweries that partner with us, they give us the grain of them. Six of these have tap rooms, and they take the dog bones back and sell them in their tap rooms. Initially, when we first started, we could only supply that because they are handcrafted in our manufacturing. Our clients aren't quick, but we do make a really good dog bone, so you're paying for quality versus the quantity. So they sell them. And now, because we have, we've multiplied by about five times, we started selling them at the farmer's markets, and Worthington Farmer's Market has been like a dead ringer. They, people there just come back week after week, and they're excited to see us. Oh, great. Cool. Do they bring their dogs? <laughs> they do. Worthington is a really friendly dog. The market, the farmer's market is friendly to dogs. Even at the information booth, they, we give them dog bones that they pass out, which is on the other end of the market. So, I mean, I could do a shout out to Blondie or, or some of the <laughs> other dogs that come see us every single week. So, oh, that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, cool. yeah. Very cool. So how did this get started? Really, the inspiration of all this is my son, who's Max, who's 20 years old with autism. And he's pretty challenged by his disability. And we were looking for something meaningful for him to do. The opportunities he's had, he had had so far were not great. And the idea that he would sit home and do nothing was not good. So I was searching around, and, and my cousin, who was an educator in Cincinnati, said, hey, they're making dog bones down here. And so we went down and looked at that, what they were doing. And so we tried to adapt that. They were making dog bones in a school, and they were selling them. And come to find out, they're making dog bones all over the country. But we just had to find something unique and that's what we did. It took about a year and a half after that we became a legal entity and and learned who we were gonna partner with and all that before we could start. But we knew we wanted to be in an integrated setting, so that was kind of the biggest challenge because every church 
or every individual I talked to said, well, you can make these in our church kitchen, or you can make these here at our school or here. But we wanted to make sure it was out in the community mm. and that there would be an opportunity to to be in the, in the community and have community-based employment because we all learn behaviors from each other. Mm. So, yes. Can you tell me what some of the challenges are that people with autism face? Well, Max... Our son, he was actually diagnosed right before he turned two. He's the youngest of our three boys. And his biggest challenge initially was communication. And people that see us might say, oh, I think his, his biggest challenge might be behavior. But when you can't communicate, usually your behavior becomes a problem. Behaviors are communication. So, so he was challenging throughout, but he had some great strides. We worked with Children's Hospital Autism Clinic. We couldn't have done it without them. We learned so much how to cope with every day with just not just Max, but as a family, they helped us with everything. Then as he got to be 14 and 15 years old, people started talking about a job. And this is a guy who likes to play on the computer, video games, and read. Not unlike a lot of other teenagers, but wasn't interested in working. So we tried lots of different opportunities, and at school they tried maybe sweeping or vacuuming, or, or they went to a church and dusted, and he was good, as long as the pay was good, which it ended up being like going and get an ice cream cone or something like that. But he didn't really understand, and still probably doesn't understand, that you're going to get a paycheck in two weeks. So even when he makes dog bones, we usually go out to eat. It's always paired with something positive and reinforcing. But hopefully over time, not just for Max and for everybody else, that when you pair something with positive reinforcement and it's good, you want to do it more. Mm. And, I mean, that's what we're finding is that the kids love coming. But, I mean, our volunteers are probably the most positive people and the people that are baking, the most positive people I know. And now Girls Dog Bones is really centered on this idea that, hey, you're giving people with disabilities a chance to do something that's for the community so they're actually engaged in in a job and not just right well what we did is last year when we first started we started in a workforce development camp that's five weeks in the summer so that they could get paid we still aren't in a position to pay everybody but we pay a couple people and then the school year came around, and schools are, were interested in having their students come and do a community-based volunteer program, which is a training that they have to do with kids at a certain age on their IEP or their individual education plan. So they couldn't find opportunity, and this is really a low-skill opportunity. But what we found is some of the kids had had experiences, but for a couple weeks or maybe even a day or two, and they go, oh, they don't like that, oh, they don't like that. I had one particular student that probably the best dog bone maker, but it took him three and a half weeks and to figure it all out, and then he became awesome. I mean, he liked it because this kid wanted to please. He was a people pleaser. He wanted to do it, but at first you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. But at the end, I have a video posted on our Facebook account that he, I mean, I said this is the most improved and one of the best that we've ever had. Another young man, Ryan, and I have to say Ryan's name because he's been with us from, he was the first baker and he was selling with me on Sunday. He works at Kroger's. He's doing, he graduated and he's working at Kroger's doing fabulous. 
but he tells me he owns Grouch Dog Bones, and as a nonprofit, he's right, and I tell him that he's right. So the pride that we developed in him and the other bakers and what they were doing and the friendships that they developed, it's just like everybody else. We all want to do that. that. We yeah. need that. I was going to yeah. ask, like, what, what kind of changes do you see in, in people as they've been through the program? Well, those are some changes, some confidence. Uh, this past summer, we had a student, Angelica, who she worked with us in a, work, a five-week workforce camp. And by the end of the time, she could have done it all by herself. Now, she just happens to be with Downtown Public High School, and she's making them still. And they said she could make them all by herself. Now, she will be doing other community explorations, and she definitely will move on. Mm-hmm. But she's proven that she can follow us procedures and she won't have a problem working. There's no doubt that she'll be good. Now, some of our individuals, and we were in the Columbus Dispatch this past week, are more challenged. And this might be their threshold of work. You know, they're with friends. It's fun and probably more fun selling, being out in the public. But some of our situations where we sell are a little more hectic than others, so we pick and choose okay. yeah. um, based on what the baker can handle and what they can't handle. can imagine a farmer's yeah. market might be a little intense. <laughs> well, we actually, last year we went over to the Columbus Police K-9 unit and took delivered some dog bones, and it was kind of like, well, we've been baking for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now let's let them see the marketing, retail, the other side of it. Now this year we were going to, and then one young man's like, I'm afraid of dogs. You can't do that. So, so you know, you have to take uh, into individual wants and needs and account to when you try to play in around them. I mean, we've had some individuals that we've had to do a, a lot of accommodations, but then they're very successful, and they were just thinking outside of the box. Yeah. It sounds like it's it, everyone's very unique that comes into mm-hmm. the program. Well, yeah, they are. Everyone's unique. We've had nonverbal individuals impacted with CP to pretty high-functioning, young, specific one young man that he was much smarter than I am. I'm just going to say <laughs> he was very intelligent when it came to science and math. And I just had to defer to my cousin who's a volunteer, and she was a science, a middle school science and math teacher. When she came in, I said, thank God, Judy, because <laughs> he needs you. <laughs> so it's been rewarding. From what I've heard, you don't have a, a background in running a business. You don't have a background in baking. You're a teacher. How did this get off the ground, and what did you have to learn? Well, I'm still learning. Well, as an educator, I'm a lifelong learner, and I will (laughs) have to say that. But probably, well, a couple years ago, I don't know what I was thinking. I had my career path was going to be a minister. I was going to be administrator, so I got my administrative degree and or licensed. I already had it. I have masters in counseling, but I'm just I teach career-based intervention, which allows me to use that counseling. But my superintendent said, you should be the athletic director. And it was only because nobody would do it. (laughs) And it's a supplemental position where I'm. And I said, sure, that's going to be my career path. Well, it taught me a whole lot of organizational skills because people don't realize to put on a, a whole season of a sport when you're doing five at one time and make sure everybody's there at the mm-hmm. right time. We do have some platforms and some technology platforms that help with that. And I'm looking for those now for Growler's Dog Bones oh. because scheduling is challenging. The volunteer recruitment is starting to become an issue. So those kind of things I learned there. And now I realize I have to search for those same tools now to run growlers 
But this past summer, I was awarded an opportunity to participate in Sea Change, and we did a social enterprise business startup class through Brown University online, and then we had a cohort that met once a week, and that cohort of people much more talented than I in startup, I mean, they did startups, the information we received or I received from them was immeasurable. And, and then what they, is Sea Change? Yeah, Sea Change is a social enterprise alliance, and it is sponsored by United Way, the Business of Good, Columbus Foundation, ECDI, IGS Energy, and Give Back Hack. But they also brought in all these mentors mm. that were in the business fields that sent us off to do specific assignments, like figuring out where you should be marketing. Mm. And we started, and we really didn't until the summer, started keeping track of how many we were selling at each of the markets. Because we'd come in the end of the weekend, and we had been at Grove City, and Thursday at Bexley, and Worthington on Saturday, or North High Market. I mean, the North Market, I mean, last year. And we just deposit the money on Monday. And I'll be real honest, we weren't keeping any data about where we were selling. We kind of knew it, but we weren't writing it down. So it kind of taught us that we needed to write that down so that we know where to target and not go. So that class was great. How many people were in that class? Well, it started out with 16 groups. And some of them, like me, were by ourselves. And some of them were like DACA time, were a group okay. about eight that had just met months before at a give back hack. Mm -hmm. So to solve a social problem. And they were really inspirational that people that had just met could come like a team and do that. It was, it was it was fantastic. That's so, great. But a lot of the other people were addressing barriers to employment as well. It wasn't just individuals with disabilities, maybe previously incarcerated or immigrants new to our country. So those individuals, we talked a lot because we were like looking for the same type of resources, looking at the same type of vision, and and running a, a retail establishment was new, I think, to all of us because mm -hmm. they've been in the social worker field and saw this need and jump in, much like me in the teaching field, just jumped in. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. It seems like the best way to start something is just jump in and I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> the it, magic it, it, it depends because I said one time my motto might be just do it. And only because one time I read this and I still think I believe it. And I feel bad if I think something is too difficult. Like if you think of something good to do, if you think about it too long, you're probably not going to do it because it's going to it's going to mess up your evening or it's going to mess up you know your plans for the weekend. If you think it's good to do, you should do it. If you give it a lot more thought, then a whole <laughs> lot of problems become. I mean, I know you got to take care of yourself first, and really, volunteering can be addicting. And I know some volunteers, and I was one at some times during this that maybe I needed to be home taking care of home problems. But I have a very supportive husband, and my two older boys help with Max, and all my neighbors, and, and I'm the, the youngest of eight. So all my family have been very supportive. If I needed somebody to sell dog bones at Worthington Farmer's Market because I couldn't go, I just kind of would call somebody and say, what do you do on Saturday? And they'd say, nothing. And I'd say, yes, you are. And so, but it was easy. <laughs> That's great to it have was a support easy. network. Yeah, yeah, I did. Now, mm -hmm. I try not to rely on them a ton, 
but they all are very proud of me and are glad I'm doing that. So I get a lot of support that way. Yeah. Now, what are some of the challenges that you faced? Well, initially, I actually, I grew up in Columbus, but we actually live in Pithway County. It's closer to Circleville, but we live on a little farm outside Asheville. And I thought, well, I'm going to start a business where I live. And the term I think I keep coming is they're not early adopters. Mm -hmm. The breweries were early adopters. Food Fort, part of ECDI, is an early adopter. But change takes a lot longer out in that rural area. And when I would pitch this idea, people were like, oh, no, that's kind of a bad idea. And when I started pitching this idea here in Columbus, and Tony Wells, he had no time to meet with me. Somebody told me I needed to meet him, and he said, I don't have any time. About a week later, Patrick Westerland called me and said, hey, I work for Tony Wells Foundation, and he gave me this information. Do you want to meet? And I went up there, and Patrick said to me, you don't have a business plan. You're not ready to go. And that was spring of 2016, or maybe it was fall, but right around that time. And he kept talking to me like, it's a good idea, but you need to have something down. And we talked a lot, and last the summer of 2016, I was starting it. it didn't, I, like I told you, I was just doing it. And he was still talking to me, and he had introduced me to Emily Savers at Columbus Foundation, who said great idea. When you get some success, come back. (laughs) Okay. And I began to think that maybe I was a social experiment on how far you could go with pats on the back. Good idea. (laughs) When you're successful, come back. So in one realm you were saying, they were saying, nah, no, that's not a good idea. Here they were saying, hey, yeah, great idea, but be successful first. Right, right. You had to have some success first. So we had a few people that believed in us. Columbus Brewing Company did a bottle release, gave us $3,000 from that. We got a, a friend who has an individual fund at Cincinnati Foundation, gave us a little bit. My mom's like, I'm going to give you some money. And we started. But then I took this Patrick Westerland, still calling, and we're still conversing. And he says, you need to take this social impact class. And I think the price ticket was $2,400. And I said, well, I I can't do that. And he said, what if we could scholarship you? And I said, for the whole thing? And he said, no. And so he sent me all the information about the class, and I started thinking about it, and I thought I should. And that year I had been a teacher mentor for some other teachers, and I received a stipend that I received the 1st of July. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I guess I was probably going to do something else with that money, but I'll do this. And so I did it. And the connections I met, the people that were in that class, and all the events in Central Ohio that I learned through that class propelled me to go and do everything that I'm doing now. And I don't believe that we would be as successful if I hadn't done that. Mm. And every once in a while, somebody would say, how did you meet Alan Proctor? And I'll say, through that class. I mean, I knew about Columbus Foundation, but how did you realize that they were going to be on your radar? And Lisa Cordes, who used to be ahead of it, came to our class. And I also learned not to be afraid. So I was talking to Marcy Ingram, that owns White Castles, 
on the phone Tuesday night and, and I just called her up. And now it sounds silly to say, but I would have probably been afraid to call her. And I knew some people in White Castles and I kept saying, you need to tell them, you need to tell them, but you really just need to reach out. People really want to help. You just have to give them the way to help. And that's what we found with our individual volunteers yeah. too. They're like, I want to come. And I said, like, well, come on. And they realize that it's not difficult. And if you go, you can't leave in a bad mood. It's just very rewarding. Yeah. Now, how do you use volunteers and how do you find volunteers? Well, our volunteers have all come by word of mouth. Even some of our bakers, the programs come from word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Worthington Farmer's Market, a teacher, a retired teacher says, hey, I want to help you. And now I've heard that a lot. And out of about 30, we have three unbelievable volunteers. And that's how we've heard. They've heard our mission. We were at another event, or they heard about us or something else. Even our retail places, like we're at Grain and Grape and Global Gallery, they reached out to us mm. and said, hey, we heard about what you're doing. We want to sell your dog boats. It's great. And we would like to be selling at more breweries. So, you know, we're always offering that opportunity because I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And what kind of things do volunteers do okay. when they come with you? Well, our volunteers, they work hard. They don't just come and smile and stand around because it's a process that, especially when we get a new group in, we're teaching them how to do this process. So you're grabbing, you're carrying five-gallon buckets of grain around and five-gallon buckets of flour, mixing that with a 40-pound bucket of peanut butter and you're helping individuals measure learn how to measure and put them in these great big bowls and mixing them i joke around that although this sounds crazy but some people are like i don't have to wear a hairnet do i yeah you have to wear a hairnet and apron and and mix all this up and they kind of like well i'm going to help this individual make dog bones and you can't stand around you're making dog bones or your hands on hand overhand to helping somebody making dog bones. It's a job. It's like a baking job. You're putting them in the oven. You've got the timer on. you got to go back and check them. you got to flip them out of the mold. But all the while you're teaching, somebody's alongside you, somebody or a couple people are alongside you teaching you. And then we joke, and I don't know if they say that anymore, but we know we are the cleanest people at the food fort because we teach a process that we set up and we clean up and we mop our area. And the interesting thing about autism is we taught this procedure and we can't get away with skipping a step um. because they know this is a procedure. So where we might just want to sweep real quick because we're running behind, you've got to mop too. And that's a good thing because, you know, people that do their job with integrity, they do do every single step. So, um. yeah. Oh, that seems like a great way to communicate as well. Just yeah. saying, hey, no. Yeah. So, and then our volunteers, they pick up grain from breweries. They try to get more places, try to procure more places for us to sell. I One volunteer got Grove City Brewing and Combustion out in Pickerington. And in those kind of suburb breweries where they can walk with their dogs are great. So, and they, I mean, our volunteers spread our mission and we've gotten donations from some of their friends and another off offers to like sit at our not quite wanting to bake with our bakers but sit at our markets and sell that helps us too mm -hmm. so yeah it's a good opportunity I love making them because well I like developing the friendships with the 
bakers because I've been a teacher for 14 years and at, well this time around I was home for a while with my kids but these high school kids I have relationships with and these kids are just like that and I just call them kids but they are young adults 18 to 22 year olds so mm -hmm. I have to remind myself of that because, now, how many bakers have come through your program? Well, we've had 45 bakers. Wow. Just in, in the last year? Yeah, and since uh, July of 2016, what has happened is we had about 14 that did year-round, and then the rest were in those five-week summer camps, because this summer we ran five of those, four at the Food Fort and then one at Mifflin High School for Columbus City Schools. It worked out well for them and us. And we have so many people. I think I have like 15 requests of people that want to bring. We just were waiting on maybe a grant or two that we're going to get to try to uh, grow some more and fill those requests because mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing to find that stepping stool training for those kids that maybe are more impact. But even the ones that are high-functioning, individuals that are high-functioning can develop skills mm. with that. I didn't get a chance to say that we like it because it's kitchen and it's culinary skills because even if one of the individuals doesn't take those skills to a job, they it's a life skill. They can take so it home. They can take it home and learn how to, they know how to bake and they know how to oh. operate and move maneuver around the kitchen. That just gives so, them something else to do at home other right, than right. sit and watch TV. Right, or... right. I mean, it's proven that that's one of the great things you should teach. <laughs> I mean, it works well. It's a good skill to take. Uh, uh, like that. It sounds like you're all also teaching cooking with really good ingredients. Yeah. So your yeah. ingredient list just sounds very wholesome and not right. full of additives. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Everybody, well, not everybody. Some people have said my dog is grain-free. And this grain-free kick that humans are on, too, diversity is the key to life. But this wet barley, and barley is good for dogs. This wet barley we use with the cream of peanut butter is the, most, the best peanut butter we could find. All natural. We watch them put it in the bucket before. So, you know, it's coming right out. So, and rice flour and local eggs from a farm in London, Ohio. So we want to use the best ingredients because we are making a quality product. And to say that, I had somebody tell me our packaging was too expensive or our ingredients were too expensive. And I said, well, we were making a high quality product. And if we did it the other way, I don't believe we would have the success that we have mm -hmm. because we need to stand out just like every other product does in the market. We won't be a Perina or a Mars company, but I don't doubt that someday we'll be on their radar and maybe they'll want to partner with us too. I, I really believe that. I think be spectacular yeah. is a great way to go. <laughs> I do too. Well, we have reached out to a couple smaller companies that we would like to be their social arm or really we're looking for a distribution channel mm. because that's challenging. But it's also challenging for other people we know that are running organizations like us, like Lettuce Works. They, if you want to get into Kroger's, you have to be able to either supply a thousand Kroger's or you have to go into each store and talk to the manager. Mm -hmm. So it is a labor-intensive job to get your product into each store. So that's one of your challenges coming yeah, yeah. up is distribution. It is. It definitely is. So I really think it should just go out with the beer, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got that. Bring your dog, have yeah, a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It no, sounds I, like you've had a lot of success. Yeah. So you've been through the program with Sea Change. You've been through the program at 
the Tony Wells Foundation. Right. You just won Social Entrepreneur of the Year with yeah. the Aspire 2017. Yes. I was surprised because I had good company there. I was very happy. With the growth comes problems. And I, I kind of joke about that, that we could stay at this level and we wouldn't have to be audited every year and we wouldn't have to file quarterly and we wouldn't have to do this. And our website really stinks now when we look at where we should be. So then you need more money. And I think that we're going to get some support and I think that it will propel us because after these other initial things that cost to set up a business, we will be able to start being self-sustaining because we know the more we bake, the more we sell, you know, you make more money in volume. So we know that can happen, but we have to work on a few of those things that most businesses, like I made our website, yeah. And uh, it was a free, you know, website maker. And, and as an educator, we think we can do anything. Yeah. And it's okay. And you can go on and buy the dog bones. But it gets the point across. But, but we know we're going to partner with somebody to do that. Now, you mentioned people can find you at the Worthington Farmer's Market. Mm -hmm. September 29th and 30th, you're going to be at the Festival mm -hmm. for Good mm -hmm. in the North Market. Okay. Can you tell me what that yeah. is? Well, we decided that the Festival of Good was made just for us to sell dog bones because the Festival of Good last year was in a different location, and they partnered this year with the Microbrew Fest. So the Festival of Good is a social enterprise festival, but also partnered with the Microbrew Fest. And it is on Friday from 4 to 11 at the North Market, and then the September 29th, and then Saturday the 30th all day. So you can buy your dog bones. You can find out what all those other people that I cohorts are doing. People like Aunt Flo and Legacy. She has a name cleaning. Lots of yeah. people will be there either selling what they have or just giving information. But then you can also have a beer, and there'll be lots of food trucks out with good food. Seems really powerful. And what's your vision for Gawler's Dog Bones? Well, our mission really talks not about dog bones. It talks about just finding opportunities for individuals with disabilities. And you know, our five-year goal is that we create a thing called Opportunities Kitchen. We're not even sure yet if it would be brick and mortar or if it's a platform, but it was opportunity to offer the same resources that was afforded to us to start something with another group for individuals with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Because from my history and my own personal experience, it's challenging sometimes just to get up and make regular days occur. Mm -hmm. So to say, in a specific example, ladies, one mom told me her and her son made calzones, and she knows they're the best calzones and that they could sell them, but where could she do that? In a kind of a micro-enterprise type grant that you could offer, but probably more important than the financial or the capital would be the resources of here's the place you could do it, mm. or this is the path that we took to do that, and maybe even have a channel of distribution, which Food Fort sometimes helps us and other entrepreneurs develop those channels with their they have some product display opportunities and vendors come in and we got a lot of interest that way as well so we hope that we will be the opportunities kitchen and what does that going to look like i don't know what it's going to look like but we feel like already we have interest and we're trying to take bring people along learn with us because we're not done learning and we know we're not done creating. We'll probably be doing something else in a couple of years 
along with the dog bones. One of the challenges for individuals with disabilities is that people don't expect them to work. We have these programs that pay for individuals to sit around all day, and they don't realize that you and I get what we get from work. I mean, we get the opportunity to provide for ourselves and our families, but we get our identity. I structure my day, and I'm, as an educator, my whole career on what I do, my work. So it was really important when we learned that over 73% of individuals with disabilities didn't have a job versus the regular, right now I think it's not even 6% unemployment rate, we have a huge problem. And it's not just about employment, it's about the you know self-fulfilling and development of individuals and that right to be better at and achieve higher than and more than they ever have. But we also find that by having individuals with disabilities in the workplace, and albeit some of our individuals have challenges and might even display some challenging behaviors, where we are at the food fort, it's becoming normal and nobody, it doesn't phase anybody. And I mean, there hasn't been any inappropriate behaviors, but there has been somebody sit there for a whole session and refuse to work. And we don't typically see that in the workforce, although the rest of us are good at looking like we're doing something when we're doing nothing. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, maybe they just haven't learned that skill, you know, the fake it till you make it, you know, that thing. So I feel like we're helping normalize and mm. raise the expectations of the typical people that individuals with disabilities can do a whole lot more than we have ever asked them. And they should because they need to self-fulfill and create an identity and have meaning in their life. Now, what's the best way for people to find out about you, mm -hmm. reach you, see you in action? We mentioned the Festival okay. for Good. Okay. We are at these tap rooms, Elevator, Combustion, Grove City, Ill Mannered, Land Grant, North High, and Platform. We sell at the Hills Market downtown Columbus. We sell at Global Galleries, which is a great place that supports a lot of work with individuals with disabilities. We sell at Grain and Grape in Bexley. And looking to, at Ohio Tap Room, I can't forget Ohio Tap Room. And I have to like give a shout out to Ohio <laughs> Tap Room. That sounds really silly, but every time they have a dog event, which they have a patio, and this is kind of true of other the breweries like Land Grant too. They invite us to come along because they need dog bones and, and we make money as well. But Ohio Tap Room, the owner, John Evans, is also on the uh, board of Best Buddies. So when we first approached him, he didn't even think twice. Yes. So we sell in a little beer-related store in Massillon, Ohio, just because they heard from John Evans that we do that. So oh, cool. You can also buy us online, and I... Larger orders. If you're in Central Ohio, I'll deliver them to you. So, <laughs> what's the uh, website? Website is uh, www.growlersdogbones.org. And on Facebook, how do people on Facebook it is a Growlers Dog Bones, and we are on Instagram yeah. too. So also uh, Growlers Dog yeah, Bones. Also Growlers Dog Bones. Interesting <laughs> thing, and you might put it in or not. But when we were trying to decide what we were going to name this, we own about. Ten domains. We were mash bones. We were doggy. We were doggy bones and play. I mean, just all kind of things. So Growler's Dog Bones came from my sister-in-law, but my best friend, about a year after we started, said, Amy, did you know that what a growler was? And I said, yes. She goes, no, I mean, do you know what a growler is? She's obviously not a beer drinker. She didn't know that it was a beer container. 
she thought we were just naming it after a growling dog. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. That's cool. So, but yeah. Well, thank you so much Thanks. for joining yeah. me today. It's been really fun kind of diving into this and hearing your story. Well, thank you. And I hope that Columbus and Central Ohio comes out and buys some Growler's Dog Bones and supports our breweries that are supporting us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to Emily Savores of the Columbus Foundation for telling me to seek Amy out, as well as to the awesome social enterprise Roosevelt Coffee for hosting the Aspire 2017 Awards where I got to meet Amy firsthand. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and make such a difference. Join us next week when we speak with John Rush, President and CEO for Clean Turn Demolition Services. He has a long career focused on creating employment for men and women formerly impacted by homelessness, incarceration, human trafficking, domestic violences, and other challenges. I just heard him speak at Passion Purpose Profit and was blown away, so make sure you turn in. Until then, 